Cause sometimes I be right. Hello. Welcome to the show. Trash Can Studios is extra trashy today. <laughs> Christmas is upon us. Got a good show planned for today. Glad you could be here. Glad you could make it. Welcome back, Cyber Family. How you been? I've missed you. If this is your first time listening. Welcome. Welcome to the family. This is Sometimes I Be Right. I am your host, John Fash, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! Got a good show planned for today. I'm going to give y'all a warning up front. Right now, up front. It's wet blanket season. That's right. That sounds... Gross. (laughs) Gross. <laughs> Y'all know what a wet blanket is, right? When someone says, oh, he's the wet blanket. That means I'm about to be real haterish. <laughs> and I am about to bring everything down today. I'm just in one of those moods, man. As I was watching sports all week, reading stories, listening to stuff, watching stuff, I just kept feeling like, man, I'm, t- I'm ready to poo-poo on everything. That's right. The hater. Today is going to be all hate. <laughs> all hate, no facts. That's what today is going to be. That's the theme of today. It's extra cold. It's a little dark and dreary. Chair still squeaky. I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood today. That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to say to y'all. Look, I want to start... I want to start with the most recent thing that happened. So last night, uh, Steph Curry set the record for most three-pointers made. Uh, He's an all-time leader in three-point made, three-point field goals made. (laughs) See? See? This is why I'm in the mood. (laughs) He's an all-time leader in three-pointers. He's made the most amount of three-pointers of all time. Now, if you ask me, I think he's probably got three more... High-level years, and then probably, if he wanted to, three or four more years, we can kind of be switched to more of a role-player type situation. Kind of like a J.J. Redick, right? Come off the bench, jack up threes, go back on the bench. He could do that for a while. So the, the number is, is, has the potential to get so massive that it might be out of reach. You know what I mean? Kind of like Wilt getting 100 points in a game. Like, nobody's doing that. Nobody's getting 100 points in a game. It's just never going to happen. We're never going to see it again. If you if you missed it the last time, sorry, it ain't going to happen for you. Right? Things change too much. So, if Curry keeps going, if he keeps firing him at this clip, you know, 10, 11, 12 a game, You know, the, the, the number is going to get so high that it's like in order to reach it, you're going to have to commit from day one and say, I'm shooting 15 three-pointers a game. I just don't think anyone's going to do that. Like, who's going to? I know they're shooting three-pointers at a crazy clip right now, right? Like, they showed a stat last night where in like 19, in the 70s it was like two, or like the 80s it was like two three-pointers a game, and then Curry's first year it was like eight. And now it's up to like 36 three-point attempts a game. 
And that just made me think. It got me thinking in my in my brain. I'm already wet blanket mode activated, right? I already hater activated. So I started thinking, huh. We we have the goat discussion all the time, right? Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I <laughs> I heard the record stop. I heard all you perk up, like, whoa, is he about to say what I think he's about to say? No, I'm not. I'm not gonna say that Curry needs to be in the GOAT conversation. I'm not dumb. The GOAT conversation encompasses far more than just shooting, right? But what I will say is when we do talk about the GOAT conversation, I think we need to start impact on the NBA needs to come up a little more, right? So let's have a mini discussion. I think Steph Curry deserves more consideration for being an all-time great or being the most important player of his era, of his generation, right? No, no, you're probably thinking, wait, but you got LeBron right there. And I would say Steph Curry changed basketball. Changed basketball. Changed the way we play basketball. Changed the way we watch basketball. Changed what we like in basketball. If you go to a park now, listen, I'm 34. When I was 10, 11, 12, if you stood outside and just took jump shots, you got criticized. It was a criticism. You didn't drive to the basket. You were a clown. Right? If you played a one-on-one and you were doing step backs, you were a clown. It's one-on-one. Why are you shooting deep threes? It was looked at as, oh, you can't play. You know I'm going to take the ball from you, so you're just jacking up shots real quick. It was like a defensive, you know what I mean? It was like a, ah. (laughs) So if you were the guy on the playground that just shot threes, you were like, that's a clown. He can't really play. Now, go to a playground, that's what everybody's doing. You watch one-on-ones with these YouTubers, like the five grand on the line. That's all they do. Good luck driving to the basket. You ain't going to see it. Whole arenas erupt on a three-point shot. We're no longer looking for the highlight dunk. We're no longer looking for the, the, the sweet, swifty English off the glass. We want to see 16 threes in a game. We want to see somebody break that single game record for three-pointers made. We want to cheer when Steph Curry sets the career mark for three-pointers made. It's crazy. In my lifetime, that's happened. That shift has happened. When did it really happen? Well really happened once Curry started getting going. See, that's, to me, that's the element. That's the element of the GOAT conversation that LeBron lacks. In my opinion, LeBron falls into, see, Jordan, when he came around, changed the game in terms of off-the-court success and off-the-court impact. Michael Jordan culturally changed everything. Sneakers are what they are because of Jordan. Right? Before Jordan, we wasn't really, sneakers wasn't a thing like that. You had some shell toe Adidas, that was kind of it. But Jordan came in and changed everything. It was like, oh, sneaker culture, that's it. We, we need those. So Jordan changed the game. Guys now became 
interested in endorsements, signing with companies, doing movies, doing commercials, doing all this other stuff off the court, not just on the court. Then you had Penny. Penny followed it up, but that's all off the influence of Jordan. It's a game-changing move. Then you have even Allen Iverson came in and changed the game. The whole image thing, right? The whole brain in the streets. I hate when people say that, by the way. <laughs> he, brought, he brought the streets. <laughs> but even he had a cultural impact. LeBron culturally... Now, the argument can be made, oh, look at free agency. LeBron changed the way player movement, free agency, super teams, all of that. He did that. Sure. Sure. He did. So maybe that's his cultural impact. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) weak. Hate. Hate gravy on the turkey. (laughs) And then Steph Curry came in and changed the way we play basketball. Like the cool kid at the park now is the guy that's going to splash all the threes. That's the cool kid now. The guy that only drives to the basket that don't really take jump shots, he's looked at as the clown now. That's cultural impact. Steph Curry needs more credit as being a GOAT. As being an all-time great. As being someone who changed the game. And maybe, just maybe, he's the greatest player of his generation. Not only because of what he's doing skill-wise, because he's got three chips. He's got three championships now. Let's not make it seem like he does it. And head-to-head against LeBron. Come on now. It's not like he was winning championships against nobody. And I know he had the super team, man. Come on, head KD. That's not even fair. Well, he plays in that. He's a part of that, right? He's a part of why that team wasn't fair. You know what I mean? He wasn't he wasn't loony. <laughs> right? He wasn't Barbosa, like a guy who just benefited so much from the super team around him. No, he was part of the he was part of the super. Right? He was in the Justice League. He was one of them. Just saying, man. Of this era, of this generation, Steph Curry might be above LeBron in terms of importance. God, I hate his thick today. <laughs> we just getting started. This is out the gate. Look, man. I, uh, uh this, this hurts to say. I got to give, I got to apologize this week, just this week. To Matthew Stafford. Let me tell you something, man. (laughs) I don't even dislike Matthew Stafford. I don't. But sometimes, sometimes I'd be right. And sometimes I need to see that right. (laughs) Sometimes I need my credit, right? So this week I went out and said, ah, yeah, the Rams are playing the Cardinals. Cardinals are actually a good team. They're going to beat the Rams. Watch. And I was really, really excited to watch Arizona beat the Rams. And you couldn't have told me that, you know, that L.A. wasn't going to lose. I was convinced, like, there's no way they're going to win, right? This is the numbers show you that against winning teams, Matt Stafford is like 8-68 and 68 career. Like, it's, it's a no-brainer. I was wrong. And not only was I wrong... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Matt Stafford was lighting it up. <laughs> lighting it up. Making throws, making perfect throws, right? D- dropping dimes. And had a look on his face as if he was saying, hey, John, look at this. <laughs> oh, man. It was amazing. It was impressive, man. It was impressive to see. It was impressive to see. And it brought it brought me right back down to reality. Hey, man. We're dumb. Sports fans. Hey, guys. I got news for you. We are dumb. We're dumb. We're dumb-dumbs. When we say stupid things like bulletin board material, that's what we say. We say like, oh, this guy said he was going to beat that guy. Now he's going to post it on the bulletin board and be extra motivated. Hey, man, we play a sport where my job is to physically move you. There's no extra motivation needed. Not only that, I'm an adult. I'm not a child. This isn't Pop Warner. This isn't high school. This isn't even college. And I'm saying this now. And then in five minutes, when we talk about college football, I'm going to be telling you about extra motivation. (laughs) Because we're dumb. As sports fans, we are cave people. We are cave dwellers. I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Listen, Matthew Stafford balled out. And I would like to formally apologize to Matthew Stafford, to Rams fans. My bad. Now, don't change my take. I don't change my take, right? I still think your team at 9-4 and four would have been 9-4 and four had you had Jared Goff too, right? I, again, I, I say it every week. I'm just going to keep it going because why not? Not comparing Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford in terms of skill. Skill-wise, Matthew Stafford is better. But for your team, with your weapons, with your coach, with your setup and your system, I don't think Matthew Stafford brings anything to the table. He doesn't bring anything to the table that Jared Goff couldn't. That's all I'm saying. Did you guys, did you guys realize... You know, let's let's break into college football real quick, real quick, because it is bowl season. I'm very excited. I, you know, I love bowl season. Okay, I love when you go when you go home. Right, it's about eight o'clock, and you just flip through the channels, and you'll see a bowl game. Right, you'll see Arby's Curly Fries Bowl. Right, <laughs> just some random bowl, just two teams playing. It's awesome. You see, like, uh, Toledo versus uh, uh, Western Mississippi. And you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You put it on. And it it's kind of like March Madness, right? It's kind of like the, the college basketball tournament where you just feel like every game, no matter who's playing, like, the uh, the energy is heightened. Like, the, the, the urgency is heightened. So, like, every game is just a fraction more entertaining. So, we're like, on a normal Saturday, I'm not watching Toledo versus Western Mississippi. But on a Tuesday night, when there's nothing going on, yeah, I'm going to watch that. And the game goes down to the wire. It's a close game. There's a crazy ending. Somebody has the game of their life. They're happy. You're happy for them. It's awesome. I love bowl season. Don't get rid of the 90 bowls they have. 
Keep doing it. As a matter of fact, make the requirements to get into a bowl. Make it instead of six wins, make it like two. <laughs> have everybody in a bowl. Right? Have like have nine bowls every night. Nine bowl games every night. Just let everybody play. Just for fun. Just do it. A whole a whole new thing. A whole channel dedicated to it. That'd be awesome. I'm ranting now. But it's bowl season, so college football's on the brain. Uh, there was a rumor going around that was linking Ryan Day to the head coaching job of the Chicago Bears. Now, as soon as I read the headline, in my mind I said, as bogus. It's not happening. It's not happening. Now, why don't I think it's going to happen? Well, I'll tell you one reason. Michigan. Ryan Day is not leaving off a loss to Michigan. Ryan Day is one of the highest paid coaches in college football. Ryan Day has a great gig. He's had a great recruiting class come in last year. He's got a great one coming in this year. He's got another good one next year. Like, he's loaded. The talent's going to be there to win a championship. And he's getting paid, when you look around, more than most. Now, I understand it's the NFL. It's the top of the food chain. Like, it's the ultimate challenge. I get it. But Ryan Day, uh, what what I've learned... What I feel like I'm learning based on just what I see, what I read, he seems like he's real, real, like one of those guys who's like, who wants to stick it to you, right? After the Michigan game, he looked very, he looked very upset, very disappointed, very hurt, very annoyed, very much like. He, want, he, he was wishing that they played the following week, that they played again. He wanted to. He wanted to run it back immediately. He's one of those guys. That's what it looks like. He went out and he got himself a new defensive coordinator immediately. And not only did he get one, he got the one he wanted. He got the most sought-after one. He got the big fish. Right? He went and got it done. Now, I know I'm saying he, but like, you're like, oh, it's probably the athletic director or somebody else, you know, probably. Yeah, but what I'm saying is he probably put on the pressure to say, no, get this guy. Whatever it takes, do it. Did you watch the, the Heisman Trophy ceremony where they interviewed him for like 30 seconds? Did you see what he looked like? He looked like he was annoyed he had to be there. <laughs> he looked like all he wanted to do was be back at Columbus working on the game plan for next year. So Ryan Day's agent came out and said, "Uh uh-uh, none of these rumors are true. I haven't talked to anybody. Ryan Day's not going anywhere. And I thought, yeah, of course not. Unfinished business. Unfinished business. He's not not letting that happen. Jim Harbaugh disrespected him. The team is disrespectful to him. Nah, he he needs to beat Michigan. And not only beat Michigan, humiliate them. Destroy them embarrass them did you see the uh the top safety in the 2022 class is graduating early so he can come to ohio state early oh yeah he's gonna be there five-star safety and look him up 
young four-star defensive lineman commits yesterday at Ohio State. They interview him about, well, do you have a, a message for Michigan? He says, won't happen again. These are high school kids. They're in a rush. They, they want to get there now. You got young guys coming in who see the disrespect, right? Who see Michigan playing around. Nah. <laughs> Told you, don't poke the bear. Ohio State, talent-wise, is better than Michigan. And they will be better than Michigan for the foreseeable future. They have the dogs. You don't. You had a great day. You did. And you beat the bully. And you celebrated like you should. A hundred percent. I ain't mad at you. But you have to know. They're coming back. Right? You have to see them again. And when you see them the next time, they're going to have the dog still. And you're going to have to try to have another great day. You're going to have to try to replicate the same success. And everyone knows, including yourself, if we play ten times, Ohio State's winning nine. So congratulations. Talk your trash if you want to, but don't get disrespectful. You haven't earned it. With that being said, God, Ohio State fans, we got to take it, right? We got to take it. They're poking jabs. You got to sit and take it. Your day is going to come, right? Look, so Desmond Howard on the the broadcast of the Heisman, right? In case you missed it, C.J. Stroud, quarterback of Ohio State, was nominated, and Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end from Michigan, was nominated. So they had him line up in the beginning as they introduced him. And uh, Kenny Pickett was in between Hutchinson and Stroud. So Desmond Howard, a Michigan man, came down to interview Hutchinson about it. He was the first guy they were talking to. He was asking him questions. You know, you came back for your senior year. You know, had blah, 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 whatever. You know, stupid questions. You know what I mean? And then Tebow comes in with a little joke. You know. It's a good thing, you know, you're in in between these two guys speaking to Pickett. Ha ha, funny, cute, whatever. You know, he said. And then he said, you know, keep him safe, protect him. And then Desmond Howard decided, I'm going to make a joke. I'm going to make a funny. I can be funny. (laughs) And he said, hopefully better than his offensive line. Ah, nice little poke, cool jab. I wasn't mad at it. Then I look like an hour later, I'm on my phone scrolling through, see if anything happened, any new sports news. And all of a sudden, there's an apology from Desmond Howard for what he said. And I said, oh, snap. I didn't really watch the Heisman Trophy ceremony. You knew. You knew who was going to win it. Right? It wasn't a mystery. I'm not going to watch it. I'll, I'll turn it on after just to see what the how they lined up, who came in second, third, fourth. Which we'll get to that in a second. And people were furious at Desmond Howard. There was hate speech. What? For what? Why? Why was anyone upset with this? It was such a little jab, such a little shot, all in fun. Michigan. Ohio State. Let me not, let me start, let me not start with Michigan. Ohio State. 
and Ohio State fans on these on these forums and these comments. Guys, we lost to Michigan. Michigan hasn't beat Ohio State in a decade. They're excited. This is their time now to talk trash. For the next year, they get to talk trash. They do. Let them talk trash. Let them have their fun. We made t-shirts two years ago when Michigan was on their stupid-ass revenge tour. Remember that? When they lost to Penn State, and they came back and they beat Penn State. When they lost to somebody else, and they came back and they beat them. And it was like, one more team left, Ohio State. We're on a revenge tour. And Ohio State torched them. What do we do? What did Ohio State fans do? Oh, they made t-shirts that said revenge tour canceled. We made all types of t-shirts, posters, posts. We, we, we crucified them over that. Oh, you idiots. Every year that we beat Michigan, we said it again. Oh, you're our sons. We were disrespectful. Ohio State fans, we were disrespectful. So much so that this year I came in and talked about how they were going to dog walk them. I talked about how they were going to smash Michigan. I talked about how it was going to be a 40-point win. (laughs) I was being disrespectful. They won. Let them go. Let them have their fun. Laugh. Sit back and take it. Ah, this is funny. This is what it feels like. I forgot. We can't turn around and be like, oh, Desmond Howard has no class. He's a loser who doesn't know anything. What an idiot. How dare you say something like that? Yeah, come on. The offensive line played like boo-boo. It wasn't funny. But, like, if the roles were reversed, had it been the other way, it wouldn't have been funny either. But don't be so sensitive. Don't be that way. Don't be that fan base that can dish it out, but then when it's your turn to take it, you're like, no, I don't like this. It's not right. Be classy. And don't be that fan that's like, oh, they're out there celebrating. It's like, oh, one win, one win in the last eight. Like, oh, yeah, good. Celebrate like you've done something. Like, you guys, it's like, no, let them do whatever they're going to do. Now, I don't like Jim Harbaugh saying some people are born on third and think they hit a triple because to me, that's insulting to character, right? That's taking it beyond just football. I don't like the defensive coordinator saying they're a finesse team, they're soft, they're not tough. I don't like that because that's speaking to character. That's taking it to a different level, right? That's disrespect. That's not trash talk. That's none of that. That's different. That's I'm challenging you as a man, as a person. That to me is different. But all this other stuff, have fun, have at it. Have at it. When I say, so to clarify, when I say don't poke the bear, I'm not saying don't insult Ohio State. I'm not saying take the victory and walk around and just be quiet. I'm not going to say things like act like you've been there before. No. But what I am saying is don't get personal. Don't start insulting people. Don't start challenging people's manhood. Because that, that's not going to end well. When you don't have the level of talent that I have. Me, I being Ryan Day. If you're going to insult Ryan Day, just understand he's got the better athletes every single time you play. For the foreseeable future. He's got the better players, the better team. So, but we need to chill. Ohio State fans, we need to chill. So... Moving forward, listen, so 
So the Heisman, so in the Heisman, right? So the Heisman race. CJ Stroud got fourth. Not even close. Like, no votes. It was unbelievable. The level of disrespect. First of all, can I just say, I love CJ Stroud, right? I think he's great. But what I love the most is, anytime I ever see him on camera, he looks incredibly uncomfortable. Like, he doesn't want to be there. Like, his whole posture, his demeanor, his little movements, his little... He looks nervous all the time. He looks like, I I really don't like this. And I love that. Because that means dude is just going to focus in on football. Right? He's not really with all that other stuff yet. Now, maybe next year he will. Maybe he'll be more used to it. Maybe now he's just a little nervous or whatever. But, like... And you know what it was? It was cool also to see all these guys with, like, insane suits and crazy jewelry. And you know, like, oh, there's there's no question about how they got it or if it's legit. Like, you know how before, like, a guy would show up to the Heisman ceremony with, like, a crazy watch, crazy chain? And you're like, oh, I guess his his parents got him a gift. (laughs) It's like, man, how you afford all that? And it's like, well, now... They're allowed to, you know, they're allowed to get gifts and get money and get their own. And a uh, a million people, a million people probably offered them like, yo, wear this, wear this suit, wear this jewelry. Oh, yeah. You know, they probably got offered crazy amounts of money or endorsements to do so. So, like, you know, for me, it's it's just like. For him to finish in fourth, first of all, for Hutchinson to finish in second is crazy to me. Wasn't even the best defensive player in the country. Right? Like, that's crazy to me. That's recency bias. That's you watched the Ohio State game and made you voted right after that. That's not anything else. Now, this is hate. But I like Hutchinson. If we're talking about the draft, I like him. I like him a lot more after the last two games than I did before. Because after the last game, you know, obviously you start paying attention a little more. We're getting closer to the draft. I like him. He's a good player. But second in the Heisman? Nah. Kenny Pickett? Look, I like you, bro. You seem like a gamer. But see, come on, man. Fourth behind Kenny Pickett? <laughs> Speaking of Kenny Pickett. We're almost in draft time, right? It's almost draft time. It's my, I love the NFL draft, and I'm going to do a lot of stuff with the draft. In fact, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help the Raiders because they need some help. i got some interesting things planned, but we'll get into the draft in a minute. But this quarterback class is garbage, and it is so interesting to me, and it is so funny to me, and it is so weird to me to watch... Um, to watch all these analysts like Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper try to give you a break that like a mock draft or rank these quarterbacks. Who's the best one in the class? And like <laughs> they're trying to like present it to you in a way that's like, hey, you know, this guy's good. But it's like, no, they're not. Even he said, Kenny Pickett's the best of the bunch. But, you know, and then you look at the pro comp and it's like, oh, like, yeah. there's not a franchise quarterback in this bunch. But you have to take one, right? Every year, teams have to take a quarterback. This is the year you don't take one in the first round. Not a single one. They're they're not good. This draft, the highest high, the best it's going to get 
in my opinion. Any, the best any one of these quarterbacks can be is Baker Mayfield. Hey, if you're a franchise and you need a quarterback, do you want Baker Mayfield? Because that's what's in this draft. That's as good as you're going to get in this draft. That's it. That's the top. That's the max out. So let's be brutally honest about these quarterbacks. There's not a good one in the bunch. They're all okay-ish. There's not a franchise quarterback, I can tell you that. There's not a franchise quarterback in this bunch. So let's just go through it. Let's just go down the list. Let's just go down the list. Like... So if you if you if you go down the list, so I like to use uh, I like to use Pro Football Football Network.com mock draft simulator. I found it's the best one. Most mock draft simulators like you have to pay, you have to pay like a premium price or like a subscription price in order to do things like make trades. Uh, so most of them are like you can most of the free ones, the mock draft generators. You can go in, you pick a team, you pick how many rounds you want, you pick your draft board or whatever, blah blah blah, all that nonsense. And you go in, you start drafting, but you can't make trades. So like if you were the Lions, if you decide I'm going to draft as the Lions, you have to make the number one pick. Whereas Pro Football Network, actually, they allow you their free version allows you to make trades. So you'll get like trade offers. So they'll be like, oh, you have trade offers. Nine people want the first pick. And it'll give you different trade packages. Or you can you could propose a trade to somebody. So you could do you could trade back. You could do all that kind of stuff that's really fun and cool about the NFL draft. So I do these all day long. So if you look at it, you got Matt Corral from Mississippi. Now. Mind you, it's still early in the process. I haven't really watched all these guys. I haven't studied all these guys. I haven't made my opinions. But every year, there's usually a guy that stands out as like, yo, this this is the guy. This is the guy. I didn't have to watch Trevor Lawrence to know Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? So this guy from, from Ole Miss, like, uh, what? Nah, I'll check. Sam Howell from North Carolina. This guy's boo-boo. This guy looks just like Baker Mayfield. I feel like if you put those two in a room, you would say they're twins. They look identical. Same beard, same facial hair, all that. Same height, weight. Like They look the same when they play. This guy's boo-boo. Every big game I've seen this guy play in, he's garbage. And he's a body thrower. So when I'm looking at quarterbacks, right, the number one thing I want is I don't want a body thrower. A body thrower is someone who, if you play the film... I'm sure I've gone through this before, but I'll go through it again. If you if you watch a quarterback play, all right, if you're watching it on TV, when they drop back to pass and they go through their release and they let the ball go, if you froze it right as the ball left their hands and you said, how far is that going? How far is that traveling? You could kind of guess. Based on their release point, you could say, oh, he put a little extra mustard into that. It's probably going deep. Or, ah, he seemed like he didn't force it too much. It's going whatever. I like the quarterbacks where when you froze it, you would have no idea. Or you would say, eh, that's like a 10-yard out. And then you press play, and it goes 45 yards down the field. Effortless guys who throw the ball, effortless. When you watch Aaron Rodgers, effortless. Even Tom Brady, effortless. 
right? I need a guy who throw, who who has an arm. Uh, um, I don't know why I was about to call him Josh McBride. <laughs> Josh Allen, effortless arm. Uh, even um, Lamar Jackson, effortless arm. Throws it effortlessly. Looks like a little flick. And it, it's out there. Right? My guy, Justin Herbert, effortless. Patrick Mahomes, effortless. These are these are the guys that you could say, like, easy. Like, put those guys in the league, figure it out. Right? Sam Howell, body thrower. Puts his whole, for his toes to his throat, he's putting everything in it. He has to. He's got to get a little extra mustard on it. Body thrower. Can he pick it? Same thing. Same thing. Not an effortless thrower. Now, look, he had a great year. But looking at the totality, like, this, this year he had, come on, bro. It was such a weak, it was such a weak quarterback class that, like, that was Heisman worthy. It wasn't even, like, an amazing season. I'm hating. <laughs> the hate is thick. And you got Carson Strong from Nevada, who's literally just a project. He's a guy who's got the tools, but like you have no idea. You have no idea. He's a project. Malik Willis from Liberty. Dude. Desmond Ritter. Will Levi. Grayson McCall. Sam Hartman. Caleb Ellaby. Bailey Zappi. <laughs> Dude, these. These names, these players, boo-boo, garbage. But you have to take one, right? So it's like, oh, Todd McShay has, you know, Pittsburgh taking Kenny Pickett from Pitt. Makes too much sense. They need a quarterback. This guy's been in the area. He's a broke Dan Marino's passing records. Like, who cares? That's just the product of being there for so long. <laughs> and you're playing in an offensive era where the offense has every advantage. Listen, I like Kenny Pickett. I like him. But he's not a starting NFL quarterback. And at the if he maxes out, if he says, listen, the best he can be is Baker Mayfield. Right? That's the best he could be. If he exceeds all his limitations, the best he could be, Baker Mayfield. Was he most likely going to be? Taysom Hill. That's it. His quarterback class is garbage. It's bad. It's really bad. Don't draft one. Hey, I know everyone's saying Detroit needs a quarterback and Jared Goff's not the answer, but this, this ain't the draft for it. I go all in on Jared Goff, and I, I build around him. And I say, we're going to build up this offense. We're going to get best receivers. We're going to get O-line help if we need it. We're going to get a, another running back to add to the stable. We're going to give you every weapon we can. Because worst case scenario, it doesn't work. Jared Goff's not the guy. And if that's the case... And if that's the case, then the next quarterback you bring in comes into a great situation where he's got a bunch of weapons. Right? So I go all this is not this is not the year to draft the quarterback, especially not first round. No, 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 no. So I'm here to help. Listen, the Raiders have a problem. Uh 
This probably gets brought to my attention more because of Raider Honcho. And he's always posting stuff. But these little silly team meetings, right? <laughs> these these silly team meetings they're having, these players calling each other out and the defense saying this or that and running back saying this and blah, blah, blah. The fan base, half of them hate Derek Carr. Half of them love him. Like, it's... It's sad to see. So I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Hey, 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 hey. I've been introduced as the Oakland Raiders' newest general manager. All right? First order of business, got to get a coach. All right? We got to find a coach. All right? And you know who I'm going after? You guessed it. Eric Bieniemy. That's my hire. That's it. I need to bring a new fresh perspective in. After the year we've had, after the controversies we've had, that's the best hire you could have. Right? That's the guy I want. That's who you put in that spot. It's a guy who's earned it. It's a guy who's been around the block. It's a guy who's well-respected. That's your guy. And you say to him, hey... How do you feel about Derek Carr? Is this the guy? Is this the guy you want going forward? Now, we're going to get more into this. We're going to get more into this in detail later. right? So another show, probably next week, um, because of the holiday, I'm probably going to uh, have an episode dedicated to just breaking down all of this stuff deeper. Um, but you have to make that decision. As an organization, is Derek Carr our guy? Now, I'm telling you right now, if you wrote down the list of all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL and you started going down, would we take Derek Carr over this guy? You're going to get to about nine names, probably nine names that you would say, yeah, for sure, we'll take him over Derek Carr. And then you're going to start questioning. Then you're going to start having real debate. Right? So you would somewhere have Derek Carr somewhere in the top 15. Okay, so we can get a top 15 quarterback on our team. He's already here. Yeah, you keep him. Derek Carr is good enough to do exactly what you need him to do. He's good enough to win games. He's good enough to win playoff games. He's good enough to win a Super Bowl. I believe that. This is not pandering. This is not pandering to Raider Nation. This is not trying to curry favor with Raider Honcho so they put me on. No, 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 no. This is none of This is my real opinion. So if we believe that, now we move forward. In my opinion, in order to build a winning team, in order to build a Super Bowl contender, you have to make a decision. What are we going to be? We're going to be offensive driven or defensive driven. And then you go all in on that. Kansas City made a decision. They went all in on offense. We're going to be an offensive-driven team. We're going to get every weapon possible at all three levels. We're going to build around this quarterback, and we're going to play that way. And the defense just has to complement our offense. You know who else did that? The Indianapolis Colts back in the day. They did that. Defense just has to complement the offense because we have Peyton Manning. Right? That's the decision they went. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they did the same thing. All in on the offense, defense complement them. Now, that's not saying you can't pick up defensive pieces. It's just saying 
coming into this, we're going to focus on the draft, on, on the offensive side of the ball. If a defensive step falls to us, we got it. Now, <clears throat> in my opinion, Derek Carr needs weapons. Right? So ideally, for me as the GM, I would say Garrett Wilson from Ohio State is the guy you want. He's got the right attitude. He's got the right athleticism. He's a sure-handed player, will go anywhere on the field, can make every catch. This is the guy you want. Right? So doing my mock draft. So it's either that or I want, you know, either that or I want Jordan Davis, the big, massive defensive tackle from Georgia. Why? Because plug that guy in the middle up front on defense, that makes a big difference for the Now we can stop the run. That guy draws attention. So we're either going to shore up that front seven on defense, get some big old bodies in there, or some athletes in there, or we're going to go all in on the receiver. So if Garrett Wilson falls to you, you take him. But I got a feeling he won't. So I'm here to help. Make a decision. Make a decision on on, on which side of the ball you're going to go with. Seattle, years ago, uh, made the decision we're going to be defensively driven and our offense is going to complement our defense. Right? Pittsburgh for years did that. We have a dominating defense. The offense just has to complement the defense. Now, when you do that, you have an identity. You have something you can always rely on. Right? That sets up, that sets the foundation for every decision you make in free agency, in the draft, with your own players. It makes everything simpler. You just have to make that determination. Guys, I'm here to help. Raiders, I'm here to help you. Bring me on staff. In the draft, you should be focused on two things. Getting weapons for Derek Carr and shoring up that defensive line. That's a start. You can't do everything in the draft. Have a plan. Have a clear-cut vision. That's the way you got to go. So it is... Fight week. I know. It's hard to believe. It's fight week. What fight, you ask? Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley, too. Now, I, I've been saying for a while that there's no juice around the Jake Paul and Tommy Fury fight. There was no interest at all. It was, it was, it was noticeable. You could see it. It seemed like Showtime wasn't even a part of it. Uh, there was no promotion. It was like really. It was really bad. There was no energy. It seemed like they always tried to... They brought in uh, Tyson Fury. That didn't work. So then the next one, they brought in Tyson Fury and his father, John Fury. And then that didn't work. And then Tommy Fury pulls out of the fight. And then Tyron Woodley magically is back in. That The rematch is happening. The rematch that was never supposed to happen, that they didn't want to happen, is now happening. And not only that, but there's a clause in it that says you get an extra $500,000 bonus if you can knock me out. The desperation on this fight is so obvious. Since they announced the fight, so two, two different promo clips have come out. Two different promo videos are, are on YouTube. The All Access Part 1, which is like a four and a half minute video, which you could clearly tell was just kind of quickly thrown together. They are trying to generate some sort of interest around this fight, but nobody cares. See, here's the mistake. 
here's the mistake that I think I think a lot of people made, including Showtime, made this mistake. They thought Jake Paul's fans are the ones that came out in droves and came out in waves and bought up all the pay-per-views. They thought it was just Jake Paul's audience. What they didn't understand or what they didn't take an account for is how many boxing fans or MMA fans purchased those fights or watched those fights or talked about those fights that drove interest. It was the real fans of not Jake Paul, of not the guy he was fighting, but of MMA, UFC particularly, or boxing, fight fans. They wanted to see what this kid got. And then once he started talking crazy, once he started challenging champions of both sports, we wanted to see somebody put him in his place. And oddly enough, even though he lost the fight, Tyron Woodley put him in his place. Showed him you're not as good as you think you are. You might be beating up sparring partners, but those sparring partners are there to get beat up. They're there to do a job. They work for you. You hired them. I've always said this. The Paul brothers take sparring as if it's the real fight. They fight in sparring as if it's fight night. They're trying to win. Dude, it's practice. You can't win practice. (laughs) Like, it's practice. Right? Like, batting practice. Oh, I hit a home run off you. Yeah, Dodo. It's batting practice. I'm putting the ball in certain places for you to hit it to practice. I'm not trying to get you out. I don't want you to strike out on the, against the pitching machine. It's designed for you to work on certain things. Hey, the pitching machine, you know where the ball's coming. Right down the middle every time. You want to work on curveballs? Here, we're going to angle the machine. It's now throwing curveballs. Every single time it's going to be a curveball. You know that. Hit it. When you're in sparring, you're working on different things. Your coach tells a sparring partner, hey, today we're working on defense, so press a little bit this way. We're working on this little maneuver. Can you press him this way so he can get, you know, get used to doing it in real action? And the sparring partner goes in there because he was, again, hired to help you, goes in there, and gives you the look you need to work on what you're working on. It's sparring, dummy. That was evidenced by Pauli Malinaji. They brought him in to spar. Paulie came in there trying to show him some things, like trying to get some work, you know. <laughs> and they tried to take his head off. And he's like, hold on, bro. I thought we were sparring. I'm trying to help you. And you're trying to take my head off so you could post a video online and get credit for saying, look, this is how good I really am. So Cool. You get all that, you boost your ego with your sparring partners, you're knocking people out and sparring, and oh, I haven't even been able to show all my skills. Yeah, because you're showing your skills against, God. you know what, you get it. So Tyron Woodley came in there and showed you, this ain't sparring. I'm not here to give you the look you need. I'm here to hurt you. Could Should have knocked him out, didn't, should have, hesitated. He recently, the other day, came out and said that his shoulder was bothering him. He was having issues with it. 
right? He's saying that that's not an issue now, like, yeah, whatever. But the thing is, is fight fans saw what we needed to see. I'll speak for me, and I'll speak for the people that I talked to about it. It was not that you needed Jake Paul to lose. It was you needed people to understand that Jake Paul's not good. He's not a good boxer. Now, he's good compared to people who don't box. Like, if you put me in the ring with Jake Paul, he's going to light me up like a Christmas tree. Obviously. For someone who's just coming off the street, learning how to box, who took it up just a few years ago, he's good on that level. Compare him to guys who have been boxing their whole life? No. Compare him to guys who really take the sport serious, who are trying to be world champions? No, he's not. And his ego is sky high. And his, his ability doesn't match the ego. Right? So Tyron Woodley came in and showed him. In that fight, even as a fan of Jake Paul, you'd have to agree, he looked terrible. The best guy he fought. It was widely accepted. This is his, this is, he's stepping up in competition now. This is the best guy, most dangerous guy he's fought to date. And he looked like trash. And he looked like he should have been out of there. He almost got knocked out of the ring. Right? Fight fans that watch the fights to see Jake Paul lose, to see Jake Paul get put in his place, to see Jake Paul get like exposed, we saw it. He was exposed. All right, I'm not interested no more. And right after that fight, it was very blatantly obvious that the, the decision now from his team was, let's take a step back. Let's take a step back. Right? Before that, it was, oh, yeah, in a couple of years, I think I could be able to fight Canelo. Max Kellerman was even saying, hey, if Jake Paul gets to 10-0, and 0, 10 fights, there's a route that he could take to get to Canelo. Get out of here. Like, I understand what he was saying in terms of money, and he was saying more that Canelo, like, why would Canelo take a big fight against a dangerous fighter when he can go beat up Jake Paul for $30 million? I get it. I said before, I, I wish, I wish, I wish that Canelo Alvarez would agree to fight Jake Paul. Even if it's just an exhibition, agree to fight him, beat the hell out of him, and move on. Right? But as fight fans, we saw what we needed to see. Okay, this guy's boo-boo. This guy's trash. Because secretly we all thought, well, what if he is pretty good, though? What if he's better than we think? And he came out in that fight and he showed you exactly what you thought he was. He's, he's got a botch. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> so we're out now. We're done. The, the, the game's over. The, the jig is up. Right? Like, we know you're a fraud. You were frauding us forever. We, we saw it now. We see it. It's over. We're good. We don't need to see no more. So you're going to fight Tommy Fury. This is a boxer. Tommy Fury's still young in his career, too, though. So if you beat Tommy Fury, eh, do people have questions about Tommy Fury without Jake Paul? Before Jake Paul, there were questions about Tommy Fury and his ability. Can he really be a champion? Can he really be a top-level boxer? We don't know. He's got some flaws, some, some deficiencies. Of course. He's still young, too. So you beat him, you get all the credibility. If you lose, at least you're losing to a boxer. So it's not as big of a hit. So you think. But people don't care anymore. Because of a simple question. Because of a simple question. What is this all for? What's your end game? 
You keep saying you want to be a world champion. You're not even on the road to world champion. You're fighting another guy. You're fighting a guy again for a second time who's not a boxer. A boxer pulled out of the fight. Okay? Here's the thing. You were going to fight a boxer, Tommy Fury. He pulled out of the fight because of an injury. Instead of going and seeing who else can I, what other boxer can we get? Can we get a boxer who has nine losses on his record? I don't care. Just get another boxer in there. What did you do? You went and got Tyron Woodley again. You went and got the guy you believe would drum up the most interest, the most intrigue that could get you the sales you needed. Because all you're in it for is the money. You want the money. You want the numbers. You don't want no title. You want the numbers. The Tommy Fury fight got called off. You can't convince me otherwise. That fight got called off. That fight got canceled and scrapped because there was no interest in it. Guys have fought with injuries before. This guy magically just broke his rib. Camp winding down, rib broken. No. No, that didn't happen. But that's one of those injuries that you say, like, all right, if you hurt your shoulder, you say, nah, you could fight with a bum shoulder. Pacquiao's done it. Everybody's done it. Guys go in with injuries all the time. A knee injury here, whatever. But broken rib, can't really fight with a broken rib. You could puncture my lung. I could die. Like, I can't really take that chance. That's how it felt to me. That's how I felt. That fight got called up because there's no interest. So what did you do? Did you go find another boxer to replace him? No, you went back to the well to try to get the same interest, the same success you had the last time. We're not interested. I have no problem missing this fight. (laughs) Now, I'm not going to. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it because I do this show and we're going to talk about it. I'm going to be recording the next day because it is a holiday week, so I'm going to record a show early. So we're going to probably record on Monday again, which I like. I worked out last time, so we'll probably do it again. So I'll have real, raw, fresh reactions to the fight. But the problem is, what's your end game, Jake? It's like you're running on a treadmill trying to tell us you're making progress. You're in the same spot. If you want a world title, you're going to get a lot of people to watch you on your journey to a world title. That would be interesting to see. I would support you. I would say, here's a guy who just picked up boxing, who's daring to become a world champion. Right? Go down the road of world champions. Take that step. But what you're doing is you're calling out Conor McGregor. You're calling out other UFC guys. You're calling out Dana White. You're fighting Tyron Woodley. You're trying to fight Tommy Fury. If that doesn't work out, then I'm not going after another boxer. Like, you're just trying to drum up interest and likes and views and pay-per-view buys, but you're not accomplishing anything towards the goal you stated. You're not any closer to a world title than you were when you first stepped in the gym. When you fought Anderson Gibb, you're no closer to a title than you were then. You might be better. You might be more skilled. You might be making more money. But you are no closer to a title. And we don't take you serious as a boxer because you don't behave as one. Pay-per-view numbers, I promise you, will be down. He ain't selling many pay-per-views. We ain't buying. 
Why? Because the fight fans, the real fans, decided we're not interested no more. We don't want it. I'm sorry to be a wet blanket, but these are the facts. We don't want it. So you're probably asking, how does this fight go? How does it turn out? I'm going to tell you how it turns out. I think Tyron Woodley wins by knockout. Now, my reason for thinking that, I got two reasons for thinking it. Number one, it w- Number one, the, the best thing Jake Paul can do is lose this fight and then set up a third. Right? It's the best thing he can do for himself because he's not going to step up in competition, right? It's just not going to happen. He's not going to do it. So the best thing he can do is lose this fight, set up the trilogy. Hopefully, the interest for that third one will be sky high. I believe he would take a dive. I believe he would take a shot, could recover. I believe he will act like he's more hurt than he is and stop. have the fight stopped, have his corner throw in the towel just to set up that third fight. I believe he would do that, 100%. Because he's in it for the numbers and for the money and for the look and for the clout and whatever else you want to call it. That's his objective, number one, but above and beyond anything else. But I also think that's why he put the clause in there. Right? Because... He wants to make Tyron Woodley get reckless going for the knockout, and hopefully he can catch him with the knockout. But again, if Jake Paul catches Tyron Woodley and knocks him out, that's massive for him. He thinks that that's like this big accomplishment that's going to get, you know, he's going to get all the attention, all the fanfare. He's right back on track. Or he's going to get knocked out, and then he could play up the uh, redemption, coming back to get what's mine card, and it's stupid. Nobody cares. We don't want it. Sorry, y'all. I'm a wet blanket. That's my time for this week, y'all. Wet blanket season is in full effect, baby. <laughs> Blame the weather, not me. <laughs> Let's go with some predictions, man. Again, it's NFL. All, all NFL this week. Chiefs Chargers Thursday night. You know I got my boy, Herbert. Chargers win that game. Convincingly, too. Nah, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> They win, though. Raiders-Browns. I think the Raiders get back on track, I guess, going against average-ass Baker Mayfield. They beat the Browns. What else we got? Lions-Cardinals. Yeesh. Not even going to touch it. I'm done. I'm done touching the Lions. I keep picking them, and they keep hurting my heart. Cowboys-Giants. Come on. You know the Cowboys going to beat the Giants. Uh, let's get one more. That's all I got. (laughs) That's all I got this week, yo. Listen, Christmas is coming up. Again, be safe out there. Right? Don't do anything crazy. Take care of each other. Listen, we're going to be recording a little early next week. There is a show next Thursday. So for Christmas, you will be getting a show. Uh, We'll have immediate reaction to the Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley fight. To all of the, uh, the NFL workings. And hopefully something pops up. Hopefully something happens fun in college football that we can talk about. Next week, we're probably going to get more into the draft. I'm probably going to do a little mock draft. 
helping out some poor team out there that needs a, a, a innovative GM like myself. We'll see who hires me. Until next week, enjoy yourselves. God bless. I'll see you next time.